patients are very, they can be very unstable. And you really feel like you're making a huge difference. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin, a podcast show that pulls back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Martin. Hey everybody, welcome. Thanks for joining me on another awesome episode. Today we have a wonderful guest on this episode. She is not only inspired by her work, but she also inspires a lot of other people outside of work, as we will soon find out. But this profession is about nursing, but specifically a nurse that is taking care of the most intense and most critical patients. And what we're going to talk about is being a nurse in intensive care, specifically a cardiovascular intensive care unit nurse. So we're going to talk with Tina Vinzant. She's a intensive care unit nurse, uh, specifically a, a cardiovascular intensive care unit nurse in Tennessee. And she brings a real perspective to this profession because she has not only great stories, but she loves what she's doing. She studies what she's doing even after work. She self-describes herself as a nerd, if you will, and I think she says that with pride. And she also has a different trajectory on how she got to nursing as well. So we'll explore that later on in the podcast. But we'll learn not only what it's like to be a nurse, but also be an intensive care unit, unit nurse and how it's not only for the intense patients, but how the environment itself is very can be very intense for the staff and the nurses who are in there working there and how that can be so fulfilling and it's a bit of an adrenaline rush and exciting and knowing that you're taking care of patients and making decisions for their care that can be very altering and, and, and life-altering for these patients because of what you're doing and how you're taking care of them. So this is a very important role in healthcare that these nurses have and I'm really excited to have Tina on. So. Uh, without um, before we jump into that, actually, if you are enjoying this episode and other episodes, and you like this podcast, please go to wherever you listen to your podcast and hit the hit that like button. Even better, smash that like button. That will help bring attention to this podcast and these episodes, and that would really help get attention to this uh, podcast to other students and people who are listening. And, and let them know what uh, about this resource. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into it. Hi, Tina. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Today, I have a, another wonderful guest, Tina. She's a nurse from Tennessee. Tina, do you mind introducing yourself? Yes, sure. It's Thank you, first of all, for having me. I really appreciate oh, it. I love pleasure. going on. Yeah, I love going on other podcasts. My name is Tina Vinzant. I'm a nurse, um, an intensive care unit nurse in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've been a nurse uh, for about six years, a little over six years. And I went to nursing school a little bit later in life after my children were older and pretty much been progressive care, uh, sort of like step down for about four and a half years. And then I've been in ICU for the past year and a half. And then just recently started doing travel nursing. So new changes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go through some quick questions about, about your profession. So as a nurse, what do you do clinically? You know, how do you help people in, in healthcare, you know, specifically your type of profession, what you're doing? Yeah. So being an intensive care unit nurse and specifically, I worked in the, car I work in the cardiovascular intensive care. So that is very, um, 
specialized. Yes. We see a lot of um, open heart surgery patients. They come directly, they come directly into the ZVICU from surgery. So we, they don't go to PACU. They don't go to recovery. They come mm-hmm. right out. It's a big ordeal. We make a big display of it at UT. It's all lots of drama, and the nurses love it. Um, usually, if you are an intensive care unit nurse, you're going to be highly motivated, kind of type A sort of a perfectionist uh, because you that you want that control yeah. and also you kind of like a little bit of adrenaline um, you sort of like to use your critical thinking skills a lot although a lot of nurses do still have to use critical thinking skills but intensive care you're definitely using those you're the eyes and ears for the doctors and you have to be able to recognize things quickly um, because they're changes can happen very quickly in patients and you want to catch everything early as early as you possibly can not wait until it gets to the point that literally anybody could recognize that there's something wrong you want to be able to see the the subtle changes and that that's very challenging and um i love it and and most intensive care unit nurses that i know that's what they love about working at the bedside in intensive care it's just feeling like um you know you're You've got a puzzle to put together. Almost, you're kind of looking for the, all those pieces and and um, and helping helping the doctors that can't be at the bedside. Whether and I know people don't know that 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 don't work in hospitals. They think they're doctors. I honestly thought that. I went to like I said, I went to school <laughs> later in life. I was shocked when I got out of nursing school. It was just like, where are the doctors? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Where are they? There's only so many of them. They can't right. be at the bedside. They just can't. That's not their job. Right, right. Well, that's good. You guys are there, definitely. Now, what are the usual steps to achieve your professional degree? So, there are a few paths um, to be able to get to being a nurse. There used to be um, a path that was what they would call a diploma nurse, uh, where nurses would... Um, go through a program at a hospital it was very Mm hands-on and they would get a diploma and they would become a registered nurse that way and uh, then at some point it just became that became less and less common and nurses were going to college and you know each universities to to get their degrees now I don't as far as I know, I don't think there are any programs like that. I think you have to have at least an associate's degree to be able to become a registered nurse. And a lot of hospitals, especially, especially the larger teaching hospitals, are requiring a, uh, a bachelor degree to be able to work or at least to sign on. You can sign on with an associate's degree, but then they require that you say that you will uh, get your bachelor's within a couple of years. So that's kind of how it is. But I will say that associate's degree nurses are just as capable as bachelor degree nurses of caring for patients because you get all the clinical in those years. The the bachelor stuff is all just like manager, yeah. you know, it's all that other stuff. It's so you get the information that you need to lay the foundation for be, for for becoming a nurse um in the in those first few years. So mm-hmm. associate's degrees, bachelor degree, they're they're the same as far as just like bedside taking care of a patient. Got it. So just getting those degrees as in nursing, and then you can start working as a nurse once you pass a state exam, I presume? It is, yes, you do have a state board. So you go to um, your, your university, you get your degree, 
and then you do have to pass the NCLEX. It is not an easy test, but the, mm-hmm. you're, if you have a good nursing school, you're going to be prepared for that um, to be able to to take that test. And then once you pass that, yes, you can start working at the bedside as a nurse. Typically, you should um, have a really extensive orientation before you're just put out, you know, on your own taking care of patients. Yeah, like we talked about school. before. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Now, what's the best part of being a ICU nurse or even a, a cardiovascular ICU nurse? The best part, I think, about being an intensive care unit nurse just in general is just really that, kind of like I was saying, the that intense I don't know, situation, the circumstances where the patients are very, they can be very unstable and you really feel like you're making a huge difference immediate. You can see an immediate change because, you know, if their blood pressure starts to drop, you, you do something um, to fix it quickly. Yes. And, you know, and so there is a certain satisfaction that comes along with that, especially you know, if you recognize your patient's lungs start are starting to sound wet and they've been getting, you know, 150 mLs of normal saline an hour for a while. And you start to, to think, oh, and so then you turn the fluids off and then you call the doctor and they say, okay, give them 40 of Lasix and you give them that. And then all of a sudden the Foley starts to fill up and they start breathing better. Um, it's just, you get that immediate, you know, gratification to feel like what you do is, you, you know, is making a difference right then. You have an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. But what's the least favorite part of your career? The as, as far as my least favorite part of the intensive care unit is probably, I would say, in the cardiovascular intensive care unit, because of, you know, there's, and I, I think this is probably pretty common of most nurses, mm-hmm. what I hear, in spe- especially in CBICU, is, I want it and I don't want it. So you, it's hard to explain, but you want the adrenaline, you want the uh, responsibility, you want to use your brain and it does feel good, you know, for a time, but it is also extremely scary and you're uh, dealing, you know, with your emotions and adrenaline rush all the time. It wears you down and uh, sometimes you just like a break and, when you kind of get floated maybe to another floor, even another unit, and it's you don't have that as much, you can kind of relax and you're just like, wow, it's kind of nice to not be constantly thinking um, about- On demand. Their, right, the hemodynamics yeah. of everything. What's going on? You know, they come out and they've got every kind of tube you can imagine and you're monitoring them and you're having to really, really think about- um, where they are hemodynamically and what is going on, fluid, you know, their fluid volume status, um, their electrolytes, all those things. It's very taxing on the brain. And it's like you love it. And then at the same time, it gets exhausting and you kind of need a break from it sometimes. Just to give some listeners some perspective, you know, for someone coming out of cardiovascular surgery, that's some of the most intense surgery that a patient can go through. And so bringing that patient to a intensive care unit right after, um, you have to carry over some of that that intenseness into uh, the ICU. And so, someone like Tina being involved in that is very important in knowing what's going on and how to manage them. And it definitely does take a team effort um, to make that transition from the operating to the ICU. Just so, just so people understand that, you know, this ICU business is, is a big deal and you're getting very, very sick patients in that kind of setting. 
Um, so, and you're kind of definitely highlighting that. What are three highlights about your profession that people should know, Tina? I think that it, just trying to think back um, for myself, what I didn't know before I went to nursing school, um, and, and I, I say this to people all the time, uh, especially someone who says they're thinking about going to nursing school. I say it on my podcast because there are a lot of people that listen yeah. um, that are thinking about going to nursing school. So um, what I try to say is, number one, if you aren't, if you've never experienced a hospital, nurses do a lot more than what most people even understand. Yeah. They have to, they have to have a knowledge and, and a, a skill set that most people don't realize what we know. Our jobs are not just holding the patient's hand and being, um, the, the assistant to the doctor and doing whatever the doctor says to do. It's, it's a, we are colleagues of, of physicians and, we use our brains and we use our critical thinking skills and we, and that is not just in the sense of care. It's every um, aspect in the hospital working at bedside. Med search nurses work very hard and they have, it's so difficult. They have, you know, five, six, seven, eight patients mm-hmm. and still doing this. Again, doctors are not, cannot be there all the time. You have to be able to recognize subtle changes, acute changes, and then relay them back to the doctor who the, who then is going to sometimes if a doctor is very inexperienced um believe it or not the they do rely heavily sometimes on nurses to especially if they are comfortable with the nurse and they know the nurse yeah um they will rely on you you know what are you thinking what do you think it, what do you think they need um and and so if 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 you're confident you know and you've been doing it a while. She's like, I think they need LASIK. They, they, they sound terrible. And they'll be like, okay, let's do that. And and it's not that the doctor didn't already know that, but they are, they're allowing you to use your critical thinking as well. And really good doctors, what they will do is if they, if you say something wrong, they won't judge you for it. I mean, they might judge you for it, but, but they, they will help you understand why what you said was wrong. They might say, well, I see why you would say that, but you know, here's a better idea, and you know, and this mm-hmm. is why. Then you've got a little more knowledge than you know um, in your toolkit for in the future. Right. Um, and as as you're taking care of patients, but that is something I would say if you are thinking about going into nursing, just understand that you it is a it's a huge responsibility working at the bedside. Also, there is a lot of hands on, and this is something I honestly didn't know either. I don't know what I thought nurses did, but. <laughs> Um, I remember the first time I started, uh, I went for clinicals. I was in nursing school. We went to clinical and there was a patient there who had, had diarrhea and she had C. diff. And I remember being like, so wait, we clean this, we clean them up. Like I didn't know that. <laughs> it was so shocking. I remember being so shocked. I had never done anything like that in my entire life. <laughs> I mean, and here you are. From, yeah. Here you are doing it for a stranger. Yeah, for babies, yeah, but not not a, an adult. It was the most I can remember just being really shocked. And then at the end of the day, this person was over three hundred pounds. Oh my gosh! Yes, and they had C diff. It was almost a constant flood. And at the end of the day, my uh, instructor, the clinical instructor, um, she's like, I know she knew how shocked I was, and she said, "Are you, are you still good with being being in nursing school?" And I said. Yeah, I love yeah. it. It was great. I <laughs> felt like I just, I, 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 yeah, it was shocking, but I also loved taking care. I realized something about myself. Like, mm. I love that taking care of that person, you know, just really getting in there and feeling like, um, 
putting them at ease, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. a big part of being being a nurse. You have to, you're using your brain, but you also use, use your emotions too. Um, you have to kind of empathize with people that sometimes they can be in really humiliating situations. They're so vulnerable and putting them at ease is so important, you know, to be able to say, I know this is embarrassing. I know, you know, because they'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. And and I'll just be like, I, we do this all the time. It's okay. Mm. This is my job. And I tell people all the time, I went to I went to college for four years to learn how to do this. It's fine. I promise. Mm. If I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. You know, so that's a big part of being a nurse is just helping to helping people be comfortable with being vulnerable. Yeah. Which is not easy. No. Not easy. Just to let people and know C. diff uh, stands for Clostridium difficile, if I believe. Mm-hmm. That's a type of bacteria that uh, that you do not want to get, and it can make people have as a symptom um, and sign diarrhea. So, that's what C. diff stands for. All right. So, what's your typical day like as a CV or cardiovascular intensive care unit nurse? It varies a lot because mm-hmm. um, it will depend at it, it depends on your level of training because when I, and, and I guess CV, CVICUs are probably different from hospital to hospital. But for me personally, mm-hmm. when I first started on CV, um, I was, first of all, I had been a nurse for four and a half years and I still had another uh, three to four months of orientation that I had to do because it is so different, so intense with the drips mm-hmm. and the things that you're, that you're um, doing. You're, you're, the things that you do with these patients, they, manipulate their blood pressure, their heart rate and things like that very quickly. And and so you have to be able to watch them very closely. So they don't just like, even if you're an experienced nurse, they don't just throw you in there. But also they don't just give you an open heart patient (laughs) the the first day either. So at first, my, uh, my patient load would look different. You know, it may just be a patient who has been there for a couple of days, and now they're kind of ready to go to the floor. But maybe they're still on a, a little whiff of of, of um, levofed or norepinephrine that, that's helping to keep their blood pressure up just a little, and then you wean them off, and you're just kind of learning um, how to titrate those drips and what what is normal for this drip versus that drip because there right. are so many different ones. Um, what by the time uh, I had been there for a year and was trained in all the different areas, I was taking ECMO patients, taking obviously open heart patients, CRRT, which is uh, kind of kind of like dialysis there at the bedside, and really just managing. It's hard. So, when you first get there um, in the morning, you just never know. There's always these kind of butterflies in your stomach because you just don't know what the day is going to hold. It's every right. day is different. Um, and then you get report from your uh, from the night shift person, and they kind of are like they give you all the details of what's going on, where you know what's the background that's going on, what brought them in, where are they now, what are we looking to, what are we trying to do for them now, what are our mm-hmm. goals for the day? It's um, so the first thing you want to do as a as a bedside nurse after you get report is just to be thinking about what can I do to help this person get better. Um, and a lot of times, like if they're on a ventilator, I want to get them off the ventilator. I don't want them on the ventilator. That's not good for them. They they we need to get them. We need to make progress. I was, that's what I, I see my job is to try to do everything that I can to make progress for the patient and get them better. So the first thing I start thinking about is I'll, I'll contact the, 
the physician and just be like, are you wanting to start weaning sedation? Do you want me to turn it off? Do you want, want me to talk to the respiratory therapist about, um, you know, doing a, a spontaneous breathing trial to see how they do? Because that's what you want to do. And you got to start that early in your day, because even though you're there for 12 hours, it goes by very quickly. And if you wait too long, you kind of lose your window to be able to to make ch- big changes like that for them. Um, you know, maybe something happened overnight and the nurse is saying, I'm kind of worried about them. I, you know, I let the on-call person know, but they were kind of wor- wanting day shift to kind of handle it. You wouldn't believe mm-hmm. some of the stuff that happens. Um, so now it's your job to be like calling the, the doctor and going, yeah, at, the, at some point overnight, they started having this problem. And, they're, and then they're mad because why didn't they do something? I don't know. They wanted to wait yeah. for you to do it. Yeah. So but I love you that. get to handle it. I love how you look at that where you say, like, I want to make progress mm-hmm. on today. It's not just, I'm just going to dot the I's and cross the T's. I'm going to try to make progress in the patient's care. Yeah. And I love that perspective. Now, you did also mention that when you start your day, is your, just to clarify, your day as an ICU nurse is typically a shift work. So you start off at seven and at seven, is that pretty typical? Yes, very typical for, I would say, most ICUs. Okay. All right. And if that's the case, what's your work-life balance as a ICU nurse then? Well, the nice thing about working 12-hour shifts for nurses is that we typically only work three days a week. So you have four days uh, off, you know, unless you yeah. choose to pick up extra shifts. Um, so that's nice. It, it really helps with work-life balance. It, you usually are going to have to work weekends, um, a couple of weekends um, a month, mm-hmm. usually four weekend shifts. So it just depends on how you look at it. Because even if you have young children that are in school, sometimes it means that you can be there for things that are going on, you know, during the day. Like you can take... Um, snacks for if they're uh, having a birthday or you can be there for a play in the middle of the day where if you work Monday through Friday eight to five, a lot of times you have to either schedule around that or miss a lot. So there are advantages and disadvantages to both. I personally really like working three 12-hour shifts because it gives me lots of free time. I see. And of course, you can work more than that. You can. And work less than that if you yes. want to do so. Mm-hmm. Got it. So there's a lot of flexibility in just a, being a nurse in terms of your schedule. Yes. What are some misconceptions people have of being a nurse, or even if you can be more specific, an ICU nurse? Um, so I think probably the biggest misconception a lot of people have, I, I know when I was a nurse um, working in PCU, which is well, a very- clean up poop, you know. Yeah. Well, there's that one. That's a big one. There's, I don't know if a lot of people think, you know, don't realize that, but that's a big part of the job. And I think a lot of nurses think that they shouldn't have to do it and mm. that they, um, I don't know, that maybe it's the CNA's job or, or whatever. I see you nurses are control freaks and they, I feel like a lot of them, they wouldn't want anyone else doing it because they want to make sure that someone doesn't accidentally <laughs> extubate their patient or so they get very protective and yeah. so it's like, I'll do it. I'll clean them up. You know, maybe you'll have help. But so I think a, a big misconception for if you're a nurse working at the bedside and you're not in ICU is that, oh, you only have two patients. How hard could that possibly be? Mm. You're, you have two patients. I don't care how hard it is or what drips are on you there it's two of them and we i have seven you know that's that's what they're thinking i know because i've heard them say it and 
I when I on PCU we have three patients. That's the where I worked um, for the first four and a half years. We'd have three to four, and I a lot of times I couldn't imagine how much more difficult it could be myself. And uh, I can tell you that from the second you step onto the floor with two, sometimes with one, I mean you have one CRRT patient, and that's um, you know like I said that's kind of like dialysis. Yeah, you never stop. There are some days you can have one patient, an ECMO patient. I I could just never sit down, literally. And sometimes it, you need another nurse in there to help you. Yes, believe it or not. I know that sounds crazy, but there's all. It's almost a nonstop drawing blood for labs every hour. Draw or some you know dip, sometimes depending on how unstable they are. Uh, just hanging every kind of drip and electrolyte ima- that you can imagine. You wouldn't think so, but you really, you're almost busier in the, in an ICU and have less breaks than you do working. Um, when I worked on PCU, we always, I always, almost always got a lunch. PCU is? It's progressive care unit. It's a very special, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's is a it step down. Is that a step It down is, there? but it's not just step down. It's like basically patients who, are ready to come out of ICU and maybe go to the cardiac step down or go to um, the trauma step down or neuro. Mm-hmm. They're ready because they're more stable, but oxygen wise, they they have they're still on like a vapotherm, like a high flow heated high flow um, nasal cannula, or having to be on a BiPAP pretty often. Yeah. Um, so they're not stable respiratory wise. They will go to the PCU. Also, they can do trach vent uh, ventilators for patients that are on, have trachs. Um, and and handle a lot of different drips, so it's very much critical care, but it's they're more stable, but there's still a lot of instability in these patients. So it. it's very very busy, a lot of chronic comorbidities, and it's just a very busy, busy floor. And even then, I I you, know, you almost always get a lunch, you get breaks, you have lulls <laughs> in between in ICU. There sometimes they're just is you just don't stop. You work you. You start out at the beginning at seven o'clock working and doing one thing after another, after another, after another for both your patients. And by the end of the shift, you're just like, well, I meant to do this and I didn't get to do that. You know, it's, it's very, very busy. (laughs) No time to check your social media. (laughs) Oh, no. And not that there ever isn't. Sometimes there are lulls. There are in ICU too. You've just, for whatever reason, if you're patient, maybe they don't need to be extubated. Maybe the doctor's yeah. going, um, they're they're not ready for that. Their RSBI is just, you know, way too high. We can't, it's not going to be, we can't do that today. Mm-hmm. And so your goals kind of change. You become, then you're not trying, you, you can't progress them beyond that. You're keeping them stable. You're still monitoring, obviously, but you're, if their electrolytes are fine and their fluid volume status is fine and they're, you're just kind of hanging their antibiotics and making sure they're turned so they don't get a pressure ulcer and, you know, that sort of thing. Th- then, yes, there there are times when that can – you can have lulls and you can kind of find yourself being like, well, I've got both my patients and here I am. And that's when you usually help out other people. That's yeah. when you kind of – so there's always something you can do. I think it's important to highlight – that even though it's the intensive care units, very intense, and you're doing a lot for these patients, and you're very a lot of one on one, or at least one to two, um, that you're still working very much as a team. There's you're not alone. There's there's other nurses around, 
and physicians or uh, assistants that are around to help you out. Would you, would you say that's true? Yes. Yeah. It, well, yes. In the hospital, I am doing some travel nursing right now, and I'm in a very small rural hospital, and the ICU that I'm working at in as a, as a six-bed unit. And so sometimes if we only have one to two patients, then there is just me in there. And I definitely think that if I was not an experienced ICU nurse, I would be scared to death to be in there. I'm still scared sometimes in there by myself. Um, But even just not having help to turn the patient, trying to do it myself, that can be difficult. But at most hospitals in the ICU, you're at least going to have two nurses. Yeah. um, And maybe a CNA, depending on how large the unit is. Um, Usually you have, especially at teaching, teaching hospitals, most of those units are going to be large, you know, right. 20, 24, 30 bed units. And you've got, there's just people everywhere. Got it. Changing gears a little bit. Tim, let's talk a little bit about the outlook of the profession. What do you think a future outlook is like for a ICU nurse? It's so difficult. That's, that question is so hard to kind of nail down because I think it's, very uncertain right now Hmm. because of covid i think that things that i would have answered that very differently before covid i really would have just like a lot of things um it's definitely affected the stamina of nurses um caring for patients Hmm. and so even nurses that are just you know like me and just like love it and and don't want to even think about doing anything else I've seen nurses who are just like the best nurses that I want to be just like them and and they motivate me to be better become almost bitter I not bitter that's a terrible word but just kind of like uh well the PT, the PTSD is very real. Really? And so after you've seen so much it just gets exhausting and then feeling like you don't have you know the support and then you know being expected to to work under conditions it's like well you know that we're in a pandemic and so you have to work with what you have but then you don't get to use that excuse if you fall short you don't get to use that excuse Mm -hmm. we never get to use that excuse to not be able to do some aspect of our job or to uh have drinks at the nurse's station hey we're in the middle of pandemic you can't have a drink at the nurse's station you know they it just like nothing you're not allowed to and that that um inequality or the I don't know just kind of the inconsistency is uh, wearing on some people I worry about it uh, some but I do think that we're very resilient people and ultimately we'll come out of it stronger and we'll we'll get through it it's just getting through it has been really difficult yeah yeah and I've heard stories about about that very similar and it's um just overall especially in those intensive care areas, how it can be very stressful and challenging for a lot of people working in that environment. With that in mind, what kind of students do you think would best flourish in this type of career? I think the best type of student is someone who is, for one thing, you have to have a really good study plan. You cannot be the type of person who thinks, I'm really smart and I don't have to study. I can pass tests without studying because there I know there are people out there that are like that yeah um, and they don't have to study I've never met anyone who was able to get through nursing school with that with that attitude because it's a it's whatever you think you know it's different mm. 
is very, very different. Nursing school, the, the exams are different. They give you these scenarios and you have to choose the best answer. A lot of times all the all of the answers are correct and you have to pick the one that's the most correct. And then just the information that you have to know is not something that you're just going to... You, you might think you, may, you, you can kind of... Um, figure it out by um, using just kind of the process of elimination or whatever. And you, maybe that's how you've been able to get through school. But if you're not good at studying and you don't have that commitment um, mm. to make, take a huge portion of your personal time and devote it to studying, I would say just don't, just don't even try it. I've just seen too many people start nursing school and then not be able to do it just because they they're just like, well, I have to have a personal life. Nursing school is very difficult, and it's going to prepare you to be a really good nurse. Let's shift away from this. Let's do my, my rapid-fire questions, if you will. You ready? I'm ready, I think. All right. What's your favorite cartoon as a child? Um, well, I, I don't know about cartoon because I can't... I can't remember watching cartoons, but I remember loving Sesame Street. Mm. I, I love that. And Mr. Rogers. I guess I would say oh. Mr. Rogers maybe more than Sesame Street. Yeah. Yeah. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? I think it would probably be to be invisible. <laughs> Just to make myself invisible whenever I want to. So if I make a mistake at work, all be, of a sudden, you can't see me. That would be very good. I'm gone. <laughs> Where is she? There's Tina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite day of the week oh gosh I think it's probably Friday I know that's probably uh, cliche but I love Fridays oh, Fridays are good even if I'm working I love them yeah something about it mm-hmm. uh, what game are you really good at I like Trivial Pursuit but I'm not a very sports kind of person so <laughs> that's okay like even board games but yeah. Trivial Pursuit I Got love it. any kind of trivia stuff. Favorite comedian? Oh, my goodness. Brian Regan. Uh, your least favorite subject in school and why? My least favorite subject um, in high school or in any, college? Anyone. I definitely did not like um, the pediatric part um, hmm. in nursing school. I It was just... It felt like so different from yeah. everything else. So um, I'm an adult uh, nurse for sure. <laughs> All right. And finally, what do you feel most proud about? I think I'm the most proud of my family, my husband and my children, and the way that we've raised our children um, to be good people, caring, kind people. Um, I think that's probably the most what I'm most proud of. That's awesome. I love that. Tina, where can listeners go to reach you now? Where can they learn more about you if they wanted to? You can go to goodnursebadnurse.com, our yeah. website. Our, our episodes are on there and other information. And you can find a, you can email me at tina at goodnursebadnurse.com if you have any questions. And we're on Instagram probably more than any of the other social medias and just goodnursebadnurse on there. But we're also on Facebook and Twitter at GNBN podcast. And just so people know, you have a podcast and that's how I found you. And it's called Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Mm -hmm. And it talks about basically 
day-to-day life as a nurse and what it's like. And you have some stories there, of course, and you have guests as well. Every single episode is just you. So every episode, there is always another um, host with me. They're either a lot, a lot of times nurses, but also other healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. And we just together tell stories. We tell a true crime, sort of like a true crime story first of like a, um, what we call the bad nurse story. And it's just like a healthcare professional that just did something they shouldn't have been doing. It could have been their personal life, a lot of murder and mayhem and that one. And, um, then for the good one, we close out the show with a, a, something good, you know, that someone did or um, highlighting a, it could be a historical figure in nursing or healthcare, not just yeah. nurses. Um, and all along through the conversation, we just talk about our just nursing and healthcare in general. There's just a lot of that talk. So we just, it's fun. I love it. That's great. And I think it's great for people who are interested in nursing who are not nurses, but I mean, it's great for people who are nursing, but also people are thinking about nursing, which you say is also interesting to see a little bit of what life is like, even in more detail. Yeah. So there, it surprises me that there's a lot of people listen that aren't even nurses and oh, okay. they're, they're just like, I love to listen. Well, they like the, the stories that we tell, but they also, cause I definitely does the, especially the true crime story. I definitely do it in a way that has a little suspense and, you know, we put all the details in there. I put a lot of effort into that. And, um, but then they say it's like, like getting a little window or getting to look behind the curtain and see what goes on, yeah. you know, in hospitals. And so I, I think that they, if you are definitely considering, um, going to nursing school or you're in nursing school, you should definitely listen to it. Most, those people generally are like, oh gosh, I love it. Cause I try to be, I try to keep, po- keep it positive as much as possible and not be, there's enough negativity. I don't have to be, yeah. um, one of those people. So <laughs> yes, totally agree. Tina, it's been great having you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for, so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, that's our show today. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about today's guests or other past guests, just check out my website, healthcareerswithdrmar.com or hcwithdrmar.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on this podcast, then please go to my website, add your name and email to my email list. That way you can get the latest announcements and news as they arise. You can also find me on Instagram at drrichardmarn. That's Dr. Richard Marn. Thank you so much for listening and catch you on the next episode.